the teaching ministry of Judah Olorimaye, a man called of God to compel consecration, provoke repentance, and inspire worship by the preaching and teaching of God's word and the miraculous demonstration of God's power. God's word is about to hit you as light and strength. Get ready for an encounter with grace. I believe inspired by the needs and burdens of a couple of people because I was never thinking about this direction of ministry. Play the song. Play the song. So I believe that um, there are people whose desires have come to God and um, God has compelled us to create this atmosphere. Maybe you are one of those people who have been um, desiring for the touch of God. We've prayed, but I believe we can pray more in a more specific, personal, heartfelt way. I'd like you to just um, lift your voice and lift your heart to God and say, God, I want your touch. Maybe you have heard about it, but you have never experienced it. Maybe I've seen other people experience it, but it has never happened to you. I'd like you to register your desire this morning. Register your desire this morning. Register your desire this morning. It will be unto you according to your desire. According to your desire. According to your desire. According to your desire. I came here to be touched. To be touched by God. I didn't come here to just sit on a chair. Lord, I want your touch. I've heard about it. I've never experienced it. I've seen it in others, but I've never known what it is to be touched by you, God. Don't pass me by, God. Don't bypass me by, oh God. Don't bypass me. Don't bypass me. Stretch forth your hands in my direction. I want to experience your touch. It's an experience. It's not just a doctrine. It's an experience. We wait for your touch, Jesus.
24 rather quite a long reading 24 to 36 and Jesus went with him and much people followed him and thronged him that is a lot of people were mobbing him as it were and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. Everybody say 12 years. These details are important because things we are trusting God for, some of them, by virtue of their longevity, have built strongholds in your mind and they seem to be impossible to fix. So the scripture is given for hope and encouragement and comfort. And I've suffered many things of many physicians. The phrase suffered many things does not mean the physicians we're trying to offer. It means that in attempting to cure her, there have been several experiments and several attempted means of improvement, which, of course, made things worse. The Bible says, and she had spent all that she had. She was impoverished by this infirmity and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. So maybe the issue of blood began with a drop of blood consistently and then it became as it were a stream of blood as it were it got worse it got worse it got worse when she had heard of jesus there was a hearing hallelujah you see hearing must precede touching hearing must precede touching and in fact you can be touched 
by hearing his words came in the press behind and touched his garment for she said if I may touch but his clothes I shall be whole and straight away or immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt everybody says she felt so there are realities of God that although a spiritual can be felt it's not enough just say oh God is spirit and um, even if I don't feel it yeah that, that's okay but there are also realities of God that can be felt there are tangible realities that can be felt in bodies and interesting it wasn't just a singular feeling it was a mutual feeling <laughs> she felt in the body that she was healed of that plague look at verse 30 Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him because he also felt it. So Jesus felt it. The woman felt it. The person receiving felt it. The person giving felt it. Hallelujah. I mean, you couldn't be more spiritual than Jesus and he felt it. <laughs> so you cannot, it's not always necessary to separate feelings from the move of the spirit. Hallelujah. I said it is not always necessary to separate feelings from the move of the spirit because jesus himself felt it so he turned about in the presence and said who touched my clothes his disciples said unto him thou seest the multitude thronging thee and thou seest who touched me and looked around about to see how that had done this thing but the woman fearing and trembling knowing what was done in her came and fell down before him and told him all the truth and he said to her daughter thy faith has made thee whole. Everybody say thy faith. One more time, thy faith. One more time, thy faith. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Experiencing is touch. That's what I'm teaching and ministering on this morning. Experiencing is touch. Lord, we thank you for your hands that are stretched forth in this hall this morning thank you for your thoughts that has already begun in personal lives and situations and experiences and the various dimensions of this experience that we shall witness this morning we give you praise and glory for your arms are stretched forth to us for good we will never be the same again in Jesus' name, we pray. And I said before I began to teach, if you have a desire, and I don't believe it's everybody really, but you have a strong desire to experience the church of God, this service is for you. I'd like you to maintain that posture of a desire. Don't let anything distract you. Don't let anything, don't let anything make you feel like you're asking for much. This is your service. Hallelujah. Amen. And as the churches begin, open up your life more and more. Open up your life more and more. Open up your life more and more. Because God wants to not just touch you, He wants to touch you strongly. Everybody say, I will experience His touch. touch. The thing with God is that sometimes even those who did not bargain for it still get it. Those who didn't plan for it, those who didn't see it coming, so get it. But I am particularly burdened for those who have a strong desire, who are saying, Come on, I must experience his touch. 
And a couple of people have, <laughs> I know, walked up to me personally in that direction. Some of them have had to counsel them, some of them have to pray for them. But the, I mean, the joy is to see many of them on their own receive the touch of God just after a few counsels on how to respond when they begin to, you know, experience some of the little drops that will rise into a mighty ocean. That's the beautiful thing about Christianity. That people can have desires in God and for God and experience it. Hallelujah! If you read the scriptures, you'll notice the Bible writers as inspired by the Spirit often employed human language and human description. Touch that young man, it's too early to sleep. Often they often described God with human, ex um, human expressions, human features, human characteristics. In Psalm chapter 18 and verse 8, a very interesting description of God talks about the nostrils of God. The nostrils of God. And God is not a man, and we know that Genesis claims that, or Genesis says that God was, or God made man in the image of God. Man was made in the image of God. But when we see God, we may not expect to see all the human features, like nose wheels. I don't know what God's face is like. <laughs> it would be safe to put um, some human features around his face. However, I will not be surprised if his face is not like our face. Amen? Yeah. Because God is spirit. And um, of course, we are created in the image of God, but, but when the Bible employs certain words to describe the power of God, the move of God, the expressions of God, it does not mean God is a man in the sense that he has all the features of humanity. We know that Jesus came as God in the flesh. And in that sense, of course, we see God identifying with women. But when you read about the nostrils of God, <laughs> just, uh, it's just to help you understand his operations, not necessarily his figure. Hallelujah! I like the way he says in 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 16 and verse 9, the eyes of the Lord runs to and fro the earth. Because he wants to show himself mighty on behalf of those whose hearts are perfect towards him. Okay? So, he speaks about the eyes of God. In Ezekiel, we read about creatures and beings in heaven, as it were, who have eyes. And their eyes are not like human eyes, like two. Some of them have eyes scattered all over their body. So they don't even have to turn to see. I mean, eyes are everywhere. I don't believe that also God has to turn to see. <laughs> so when it talks about the eyes of God, you don't want to imagine the human figure. Hallelujah. But the eyes of God is spoken about in scripture. And all of this is just to help us understand the operations of God. So when the Bible speaks about the eyes of God, it's helping us see that God is aware. 
God is not blind, dumb, deaf. He is aware. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 3. He sees both the good and the evil. The eyes of God is all over the earth and he sees both the good and evil. So whatever you are doing in the secret, God sees it. God is aware. Proverbs 15, 3 was the last quotation, please. God is aware. You cannot hide from him. This describes, in a sense, the omnipresence of God. You can't run away from him. Some of you intend to relocate. Wherever you go, God is there. Amen? So the Bible would employ these descriptions just to describe some of the expressions of God in a way that we humans can relate with it. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 12 <laughs> speaks about the eyes of, the, of God, speaks about the ears of God, speaks about the face of God. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. So we have eyes, we have ears, we have face. Hallelujah. Amen. And then in Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 6, the emphasis again on the ears. This man was praying and he says, Oh God, open your ears to my prayers. Be attentive to my crimes. That's to let you see that there's, there is um, hope when you pray because God is going to respond to your prayers. He hears what you say. So the writer employs the phrase, the ears of God. Hallelujah. Perhaps my, my most um, studied um, aspect of this concept is the face of God. And um, I like when people even prioritize this. Because if you seek the face of God, every other expression of his activity would be visible, tangible. Second Chronicles 7.14 uh, It tells us, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face. So when we pray, we also seek his face. We seek his face in prayer. Look at how it said in the Psalms. Psalm 13 and verse 1. Psalm 13 and verse 1. How long without forget me, O Lord, forever? How long without hide thy face from me? How long without hide thy face from me. Um, some of you may not understand what it means for God's face to be hidden. Uh, it's a very terrible experience, really. But the psalmist here was frustrated. He was tired of not experiencing the face of God. And he began to lament in prayers. How long will thou hide your face from me? I encourage you when you are praying, try and beyond praying the Holy Ghost, read the Psalms. Read the Psalms and learn the expressions of dependence that the psalmist expresses to God. See how they were dependent on his ears, his eyes, his face, and like the context of our conversation, his hands. Everybody say his hands. hands. One more time, his hands. hands. One more time, his hands. hands. Isaiah 59 verse 1 says, the hand of the Lord is not shut. The hand of the Lord is not shut that he cannot save. God's hands are not amputated. God's hands have not, you know, reduced in size that he cannot get to you. It tells us, going forward, how the sins of people have separated them from experiencing good things. But the hands of God 
are not short. Deuteronomy chapter 26 and verse 8 describing how Israel came out of Egypt. He says they were brought forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm and with great terribleness and with signs and with wonders. Everybody, once again, the hands of God. Jesus said, if I cast out devils by the finger of God. So even Jesus employed that phrase to describe the intervention of God. When you see the phrase, the hand of God, it's talking about the influence of God, the intervention of God. As a Christian, you must get used to depending on the intervention of God. Your life must not follow a natural course. Where only men intervene, only men influence, where there are only human influences. There are situations where you need the intervention of God. That's where the hand of God comes. He says he brought them out of Egypt with a mighty outstretched arm and with terrible things, signs and wonders and miracles. So what is responsible for signs and wonders is the hand of God. Hallelujah. The hand of God. Look at it in Acts 40 and verse 30. The apostles prayed. They say, stretch forth your hands to heal. That at the name of your holy child, Jesus, there will be mighty signs and wonders. Stretch forth your hands. The apostles understood. I said, Acts 4, verse 30, please. They understood this doctrine, this concept, that God's hands can be stretched forth. And this is what caused healings and wonders and signs. And they knew that it was by prayers that these realities are experienced by prayers. It's not about God has hands and he will use it when he wants to use it. No, we'll pray. Oh God, stretch forth your hands. Can you pray that in three seconds? Oh God, stretch forth your hands. You should be done praying. Three seconds. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say it after me. Oh God. Stretch forth your hands. Oh, no, he has a hand. He has hands, but um, you have to pray to experience these things. Luke chapter 1 and verse 66 says that the hand of the Lord was upon this young boy. The hand of the Lord was with him. The Bible says, What manner of child shall this be? This is John the Baptist. People recognized even from conception, as it were, that this child, the hand of God was upon him. I pray over my children. I lay hands on them and I pray and say, oh God, let your hands be upon them. It's a real experience. It's not just um, a literary expression, as it were. It's a real experience that the hands of God can be upon a life. Ezekiel 37 and verse 1. The hand of the Lord came upon Ezekiel and carried him. The hand of the Lord came upon Ezekiel and carried him. There's a carrying by the hand of the Lord. There's a transportation by the hand of the Lord. There's a movement by the hand of the Lord. There's a progress by the hand of the Lord. There's an appearance by the hand of the Lord. <laughs> and it's, I mean, this, this 
event was documented so that we would have hope and comfort and make demands on these realities. There are places in the realm of the spirit you must go before the end of this year. And it's going to happen by the hand of the Lord. There are visions that you must see before the end of this year. And it's going to happen by the hand of the Lord. There are encounters that are destined for your life that you must enter into. And it's going to happen by the hand of the Lord. That's why we came to church. It's not just another religious event. We came to experience the hand of the Lord. We came to seek his face. We came to call upon him so that he would, his ears would be open to our prayers. Everybody say, I will experience his touch. I will experience his hands. One more time, I will experience his touch. I will experience his hands. In Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 8. The man Nehemiah was favored because of the hand of God. You see, when the hand of God is upon you, there are many things you would experience. One of them, favor, favor, favor. The Bible says, and the king granted me according to the good hand of God upon me. In other words, because of the influence and the intervention of God, I was granted what I asked for. There are people you have asked stuff from, and if the hand of God is not upon you, you may be rejected. And then you can go back after God's hands has come upon you, and those same people will accept you. That will be your portion. Amen. I said that will be your portion. Amen. doesn't matter who has said no to you before, who has turned down your request. The hand of God is the game changer. <laughs> it's the game changer. Esther understood the power of the hand of God. Beyond makeup. <laughs> she was going to see the king and it was not even supposed to be. Because the king did not call for her. So she said, I will fast, I will pray. You to join me. And I will appear before the king. And when she appeared before the king, by the hand of the Lord, the king had to pay attention to her. There are people that must listen to you. Your destiny leads them to listen. And it's going to happen by the hand of God. There are kings that must hear what you have to say. There are souls that should not perish because you are preaching the gospel to them. But there is an effect that compels compliance when the hand of God is upon you. Compels compliance. So you, must, you must listen. You don't have to like my face, but you must listen. It's the hand of God. Jesus used it in his ministry, the hand of the Lord. When he says, the Spirit of God is upon me, for he has anointed me, he's describing the hand of God upon him. So when he spoke, the Bible says he spoke with authority. Not like the Pharisees who did not have the hand of God upon them. You can quote the scriptures and it will sound empty if the effect of God's hand is not there. Hallelujah. Preaching marathon event. Can't remember how the story was described exactly, exactly, but there were several preachers preaching from the same text, Psalm 23. Everybody preached well, okay, but one man's ministry stood out and he didn't say much. He seemed to just re echo the text. 
The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And people experienced the hand of God in that meeting when he just said, the Lord is my shepherd. So they asked him, what do we know that you don't know? What, what, what are you doing differently? What do we, what, what are we missing? Why is your own different? And he told them, you know Psalm 23, I know the shepherd. So it's not enough to just know it mentally. There is the hand of God effect. Hallelujah! Yeah. I every day, every week, every month, every year, go to God and I crave for more of his hands upon my ministry. More of his hands. More of his hands. More of his hands. Some of us have experienced it in a little way, but it can be heavy. Everybody say heavy! heavy. <laughs> the hand of the Lord can be heavy upon a man. And it can also be a little bit light. But this morning we came to experience a heavy hand. Say, let it be heavy, O God. One more time, let it be heavy, O God. One more time, let it be heavy, O God. So, eyes of God, nostrils of God, ears of God, face of God, hands of God, just used by Bible writers as inspired by the spirit to describe the operations of God. But when I look at the ministry of Jesus, I discovered it was also a torture. How many of you are also touchers? You like to be touched and you like to touch. Okay, my wife is a toucher. I grew up in a touching environment. We never grew up saying good morning. I never, I can't remember last time I said good morning to my mother or my father. You want to greet you touch. So we, we spoke by touch. We didn't say good morning, sir. Good morning, ma. We are happy to see you. May God bless you. We didn't do all that. You just touch. An affectionate touch. Something we have touched by rest too. Say, give an affectionate touch. That's how we communicate love. So some of us are naturally touchers. And I believe Jesus was such a man. Some of you are not touchers. Touching irritates you. Man nimilara. That's the idea. <laughs> Man, Nimilar, just don't. Uh, how do you translate that verbatim? No, verbatim. Man, Nimilar, ah, verbatim. Don't inconvenience me. Okay, so. Nimilar, I said verbatim. Stop my body. That's verbatim. That's, that's man, Nimilar, don't disturb my body. So some of you are like that. Yeah. When we used to sing, what is it the birds? You, the Muslim. See, good touch. Don't touch you. Jesus, I believe, was a toucher, however. I believe he was a toucher. I've seen this in his ministry, Luke 7 and verse 39. I think he was even accused of touching sinners or being touched by sinners. It seemed like um, <laughs> anybody could touch Jesus. The Pharisees complained. He says, if this man was a prophet, he would have known who and what manner of woman this is that tortured him. For she is a sinner. And it doesn't mean that the woman was giving Jesus massage. Amen. Doesn't mean there was anything romantic in the touch. <laughs> I think it was the woman that probably um, put the alabaster box. I'm not sure. Put it in verse 38. Let me be sure the exact context of this conversation. Alright, so 
stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment so the pharisees saw that now jesus did not reject it did not say get it behind me you seducing spirit all right he embraced the worship he accepted the worship hallelujah and then of course in Mark chapter 10 and verse 13, we are told of the story of people bringing little children for him or to him so that he might touch them. People bringing little children. I like the phrase that the author Mark uses. He says that he should touch them. So the children were going to be satisfied just to be touched by Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. How many of you have um, celebrity figures that you feel like how many of you like Lionel Messi? Okay. How many of you would be happy if he touches you? You'd be happy. Talk true. Mm? Okay, Ronaldo. Okay. You'd be happy if he touches you? Yes. Okay. Eh? Okay. But the point is that when someone is weighty in our sight, we are happy when they touch. So, children... They, they, they were not sick. They were not crazy. They just wanted to be touched by the rabbi. It means that Jesus was a toucher. One of the ways he communicated his love was by touching people. Many of you know me like that too. I may not always say anything. I will just touch your head. Touch your hair. And that's me talking. That's me saying, how are you doing? I still love you. So be like, tell your neighbor, be like Jesus. <laughs> touch people. It's... it's there's a, there's a research that has been done about children who have suffered psychologically. And it is traced to the fact that uh, many of them did not grow up being touched. Dr. Nicholas, you are a researcher. Is this correct? Do you know that even with animals, if you go and carry five rats, laboratory rats, and touch them, just caress them, they will be held there. Than the ones you just leave. I just give him food. Take it, take it. So there's something that touch does. Hallelujah. Amen. Tell your neighbor, be like Jesus. Be, like Jesus. be a toucher. It's okay to touch. It's okay. It's, it's, it's spiritual. Many of the healings Jesus did, he touched people. Touch Even touch the leper. Hey. Touch the leper. Wow. He allowed himself to be touched. He touched. Some of you, you they are all blinking as already. That's already. That's messed your mind up. You can. Re, that's why you can build positive strongholds. Amen. Compute. Yeah. I remember that. Um, of course, I was a toucher, but the first person to give me a hug, the first lady to give me a hug, was my wife. So touching. Huh? <laughs> I never really used to like hugs with the opposite sex. But when she touched me and I discovered that my salvation was intact. Okay, okay, okay. okay. The Holy Ghost did not leave. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So I normalized it. And uh, if I, if I, I, if I've not hugged you before, maybe because you don't like me. And I noticed you don't like me. So I, I, I said, what's up? But if we're close, I'll hug you. I mean, 
man, woman, I'm Aphrodite. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's just how. <laughs> and I, I, I know that I've heard people say PJ's hugs are therapeutic. Uh, but it's not a PJ thing. God designed us. You see, the reason why sensory nerves are on the skin is because they are, they are supposed to be serviced. Hmm? They're supposed to be serviced. No be only cloth, suppose they touch you. Hmm? Touch people. In the early church, they had a particular interesting culture called holy kiss. And it was not necessarily a mouth thing, it was a peck, but they touched themselves. Peck. That's what that's how they did. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Now, if in the natural touches are therapeutic, how much more in the spiritual? They are just patterns to show you. Drop my volume, technical, it's a bit too loud. To show you how God is, how God works. I believe if Jesus was a toucher, God is also a toucher. I believe that God looks forward to touching his children. I believe that if, as it were, there is a figure of divinity in heaven, when we get there, he will touch us. He will touch us. He's not going to stay and say, hey, we don't come. Okay, stay there. We're done. I don't believe that that's how God is. Nah. I'm a man. I'm not better than God. And I know how I long to touch my child. And touch my children. And touch my brethren. Glory to God. So we are speaking about the touch of God. Experiencing the touch of God. One more time. Let me say it again the way I said it previously. The touch of God is the intervention of God. It is the influence of God. God touches to intervene. God's hands are stretched to intervene. He touches to influence. The intervention of God. And if you are trusting God for something outrageous, something supernatural, something beyond the ordinary, this is your service. Amen. God's hands are stretched out to touch, to touch, to save, to deliver, to heal. He's a touching God. Hallelujah. There are five dimensions of his touch I like to be familiar with. The first is the touch of transformation. Whatever God touches never remains the same. If God touches you, you cannot remain the same. You cannot. You may want to, but you cannot. <laughs> I'm not talking about a casual touch. I'm talking about a deliberate contact with grace. When you see Christians who say, I'm a Christian, but there's no change in their life, you have to ask yourself, who touched you? Is it possible for a trailer to jam somebody in the natural? And nobody will know. I said in the natural. So how does somebody collide with God? And there is no change. How? God collide with you. The only thing that changes is that you have a baptism name. My name is Dan Gabriel. Huh? You don't add up. There must be a change. Say, this person, God touched him. Or he touched God. Glory to God. Everything God touches changes. Changes. God wants to change your life. How does he change your life? He touches your life. 
God wants to change your situation. How does he change your situation? He touches your situation. God wants to change your environment. How does he change your environment? He touches your environment. When he stretches arms to touch, it is towards transformation. And he, there are so many things God wants to touch. Because there are so many things God wants to change. Hallelujah. You must learn to expose your life to the touch of God. You must learn how to. How can I expose my life to the intervention of God? To the, to the influence of God? To the touch of God? To the hands of God? You must learn it. Everything it touches changes. Everything. If it touches humans, they change. If it touches nations, they change. If it touches hearts, they change. If it touches situations, they change. Say this after me. I will be changed. By the hands of God. Transformation. Second dimension of his touch. Cleansing. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 7. The man stood before God. In verse 1, we saw the holiness of God expressed and revealed to him. And after that revelation, he began to lament about his own state. Look at it in verse 5 and verse 6, please. Woe is me, I'm undone. I am you. There's a revelation of the holiness of God that makes people say, I am you. I, I am you. And when people see God for who he really is, many times they lament. People don't know themselves until they know God. No, because when you compare, when you're, when you're measuring your life against a bad meter, you'll be overestimating yourself. You know, that was the problem with the Pharisees. He says, we are Pharisees. We give tight. We are not like these sinners. Why don't you compare yourself with Jesus? Compare yourself with sinners. You say, I'm better. When you compare yourself with sinners, you say, I'm a good Christian. Compare yourself to Paul. Compare yourself to Christ. You now, your, your true grade will now be revealed. Hallelujah. Some of you cannot even compare yourself to your pastor. yourself with the right people because the standards should be high hallelujah so he saw god and he says woe is me i'm unclean i dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips my eyes have seen the king and the lord of hosts then flew one of the seraphims unto me having a life coal in his hand which he had taken from the tongues rather with the tongues from off the altar so the life coal was so hot the angel could not touch it directly. The angel needed a tray to touch it. And they brought that sort of hot thing and put it on somebody's mouth. Hey! And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips and thy iniquity is taken away and thy sin is purged. This was a touch, a, a touch of cleansing. A purge. A, a, a touch of purging, a touch of cleansing. Many of us, what we are dealing with will not go just by renewing your mind. I'll say it again. All it is all what we are dealing with. They are so deep strongholds that renew your mind, if you want to do it, it may take 30 years and your life will have ended by then. I said, what? So you need an intervention. Everybody say intervention. To make it quickly. You see, there are purges that happen by a man. Second Timothy chapter 2. 
says if any man purges himself, he shall be a vessel unto honor. So man can purge himself. But when we call upon the hand of the Lord, it's because we need an intervention. Some people have been struggling with certain habits for years. Yes! They have tried several things and it's not working. You see, you need the hand of God to obliterate that uncleanness. Some of you struggle with certain thoughts. You wake up in the morning and it's the first thing on your mind. You need the hand of God to uproot that thought. Because your destiny depends on your purity. Hallelujah. And time is going. Time is going. So Isaiah showed up and he had a problem. He was a man of unclean lips. But there was a destiny for him. He was supposed to be a prophet. He was supposed to be God's spokesman. God's messenger. And there was no time. Because after this experience, he heard a voice. Who shall go for us? Whom shall we send? There was no time. So God said, I, I cannot tell this man to go and be purging himself. It will take him 50 years. His, his life will have ended by then. So, angel, pick up something and cleanse him. Many of us need a touch. A purgative touch. A cleansing touch. Tonight is your night. Today is your day. This service is your service. Amen. You will be purged. Amen. You will be cleansed. Amen. You will be washed. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. When God touches, he cleanses. He purges. He washes. So there is the touch of cleansing. Some people always have foul language on their tongue. Foul language. From their childhood, they cannot do without saying something that is pervert, unclean, unwholesome. You may say, get the word of God. Mind renewal, yes. But many of these things can be fixed by a touch. May God touch your tongue. Circumcise your tongue. Touch it. You must have desires like this. I say, God, touch my tongue. I'm trying. But every time, it is today, there. It is today, there. I'm trying. Oh, God, intervene. <laughs> Shut forth your hands and cleanse my tongue. Cleanse my heart. Cleanse my soul. Is that your prayer this morning? Pray for a few seconds. Pray for a few seconds. Some of you can relate. There are things you are trying to help, trying to stop. And they, they seem to be getting worse. Eight years, 18 years. Ah, God, intervene. I've been trying to do with my hands. It's not working. Let your hands fix it. Let your hands fix it. Let your hands fix it. Come on, pray. If you are praying, maybe only one person is praying, but, but all the same, pray. Cleanse me. Purge me with your touch. The destiny that I am supposed to enter into that I have not entered into because of uncleanliness. Lord, purge me. Cleanse me. Hallelujah. The cleansing has begun. And God will remove trees of filth and He will replace them with trees of righteousness. Hallelujah. Amen. 
dimension of God's touch is the touch of impartation or the touch of investment, as it were. When God touches, He touches to invest. He touches to impart. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 9. Jeremiah felt inadequate concerning the ministry that God had called him for. The Bible says, And the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. So, as he touched his mouth, he put his words. Do you understand? Every touch is an investment. Every touch is a putting in. Every touch is a feeling in. Glory to God. If your life is void, empty, scarce, or in need of certain things, you need the touch of God. It's an investment touch. It's an impartation touch. It's a touch that feels. Feels to the overflow. God is still in the business of touching people. First Timothy 4 and verse 15. First Timothy 4 and verse 15. This gift of God was given to Timothy by a touch. I must have missed my scriptures. Check 14 or check 17 now. The gift of God given by the presbytery. That's the phrase. What's that? Four sixteen. Four fourteen. Okay, check fourteen. Neglect not the gift that is in thee which was given. Everybody say given. Yeah. By prophecy. So when they prophesied over Timothy, there was a giving. And the laying on of the hands of the presbytery, which means the hands of the elders. The hands of elders are an extension of the hands of God. I will soon show you that. So in the day Timothy's head were laid on by the elders, it was God touching Timothy. Hallelujah! Giftings, investments, impartations. God is still in the business of touching people. And then there's the touch of wholeness. That's the fourth dimension of his touch. The touch of wholeness. Sick bodies have always been healed in scriptures through touches. The touch of the prophet. The touch of Jesus. The touch of the apostles. Look at these examples. I like it because it's not just speaking about what God does but how men respond to the grace of God. Luke chapter 6 and verse 13 and then Luke chapter 6 and verse 19. Luke 6 13 and then Luke 6, 19. When it was day, this is not my scripture. What does 19 say? If I got that one correct. Okay. I got this one correct. I'm not sure what I missed in the previous one. When the whole multitude sought, or rather, and the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him. Everybody say virtue. virtue. The word virtue is power. And heal them all. So the woman with the issue of blood was not the only one who received healings by touching Jesus. 
the whole multitude sought to touch him. For there went virtue out of him and healed them all. Everybody say them all. And it happened by touch. Several times, Jesus does touch people. Peter's mother-in-law, she was sick with fever. He just touched. In fact, he didn't pray. Just touched. Leper was sick. He just touched. Blind man, he just touched. So, sick in your mind, sick in your body, there is a touch of God that makes whole. Hallelujah. Amen. Everybody say, I will be made whole, be made whole. by the touch of God. I will be made whole by the touch of God. And then lastly, which is a seeming emphasis this morning, there is a touch of tangibility and conviction. A touch of tangibility, a touch of conviction. If tomorrow you are walking on the street, and you see Osama bin Laden. I hope my Gen Z know Osama bin Laden. Okay. We see Osama bin Laden on the road. The first thing that comes to mind is that I thought you are dead. To have conviction that who you saw is real, you might want to. Is it a vision? Is it a dream? Hallucination? Touches bring conviction. Hallelujah. Touches make tangible spiritual realities. So one of the ways that we experience the tangibility of spiritual power is the touch of God that we feel. That appeals to our senses that we feel. I, I, I find it, that's why I find people that don't believe in miracles. I find them very interesting. Because there's a consistency of proof that a man has that makes them feel like, am I, am I now the one dreaming? I was sharing with my wife last week. A, a man called me, never met him, just um, out of the blues on Facebook. Doctors told him that his wife would never walk again. She was bedridden. So, of course, very scary scenario. So I told him, okay, okay, okay. I will, um, I will pray in. I will pray three days every day, five minutes, five minutes, three days. And I told him by the spirit of faith, at the third day she will begin to walk. I just said that in the spirit of faith. So first day I prayed, rebuked Satan. Second day, ministered life to our body. Third day, we prayed with the Holy Communion. Prayed third day, I'd even forgotten what I said. And I dropped the phone. But the man did not forget. <laughs> of course, there were already measures of power. First day, second day. So third day, they, they were already very expectant. And so, I dropped the phone. I was eating my meal. I was in a at that time. Eating my meal. And then I saw the phone ring again. I was like, what happened? And then as I picked the call, I heard a loud yell. Thank you, Jesus! Thank you, Jesus! Thank you, Jesus! I said, what happened? She's just walking! She's walking! She's walking! Glory to God! Yeah. 
I did not touch her. God touched her. There were other things we did, prayed. Only communion. Those three days. Five minutes. Nothing more than that. Five minutes. So, there, there are no proofs. If you now tell me that uh, miracles left after the apostles left. I was okay. Hmm? We need tangible results for our doctrine. We cannot be saying the Bible say, the Bible say. We must experience his touch so that the Bible will be proven to be true. Hallelujah. So, look at a few scriptures to explain this concept. Luke 24 and verse 39. Behold, now, look at verse 38. Let's see why Jesus spoke like this. And they drew near unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. Okay, this does not really give us a clue. Maybe there are previous verses, but I don't have time. Progress to verse 20. What are we reading? Okay, this is the right one, Abi. We're reading 39 to 40. So I said, go a verse behind, so it must be 38. Is that not so? And he said unto them, Why are you troubled, and why do thoughts, in other words, why do doubts arise in your heart? Behold my hands, that is, see my hands and my feet, and it is I myself, because they were doubting if it was Jesus. This was after the resurrection. Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. And then he uses the phrase, handle me. That is, touch me and see. So when he says, handle me and see, it is, touch me and feel. For a spirit has not flesh and bones. So they thought it was a ghost. And I told you, if you see Osama Bin Laden, you will say, are you the one or you are his spirit? To confirm, you would, may attempt to touch, although you may not want to touch Osama. Especially if you are a Christian. Um, I always may hear Allah and um, <laughs> if there is no angelic protection, you might appear before the throne room. <laughs> so handle me and see that is touch me and feel. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones. So that shows that when Jesus rose from the dead, he did not, he did not rise as a spirit. Hallelujah. He rose with substance. You could touch him. You could feel him. We also know of the story of um, Doubting Thomas. That man, his real name is Apostle Thomas. When Doubting Thomas, they don't call him. John chapter 20 and verse 25 and 28. Don't be a doubter like Thomas. But even if you are a doubter, God has help for you. You know his help? His hands. Yeah. There are doubts that disappear when God touches. Just, the, the doubt just expired. So he touched me. I know he's real. I felt his hands. It's real. 
and our generation was content with these realities. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, Thomas Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Please go back to our scriptures. John 20, 25 now. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands and print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and trust my hands into his side. Uh-uh. I will check the hand, I will check the feet, I will check the side. I will not believe. Verse 28, please. Okay, do verse 27. Then said he to Thomas, Reach either thy finger, and behold my hands. So the phrase, behold my hands, is experience my hands. It's not see my hands, per se. It is by touch experience. Hallelujah. If I blindfold you, and I say, find your way out of this hall, you might... Check the pole. You will be touching the poles. Eh? Say, okay. If this is the pole, that means I'm at the center of the hall. So, behold the pole. So, behold my hands is touch my hands, feel my hands. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, behold my hands, reach either my, thy hand and thrust it into my sight and be not faithless but believing. But believe in. I, I like the fact that eventually Jesus rebuked Thomas for his unbelief, but he still showed him. What a gracious God he is. Even for doubters, he has a plan. He has a plan. <laughs> it is like, 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 you don't go touch me. You must believe without touching. He said, Okay, come. Touch. Behold my hands. God is real. God is powerful. God has hands. And even for those who are struggling with that truth, he says, I have a plan. I will touch you. You will be touched today. Yeah. After today, you will not doubt the power of God again. Yeah. Not just in a general sense, but in a personal sense. Yeah. Hallelujah. John, first John, rather, chapter 1 and verse 1 affirms this same truth. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and which our hands have handled. Come on. There's a handling. Hallelujah. There's a handling. We cannot just hear Christianity. We cannot just see Christianity. We must touch Christianity. We must handle it. And he said it last because that was the consummation of the realities. I don't know if it's possible to marry a man you have never touched. But I believe that some people can say, eh, I have seen him. I've heard him. But it is not really real until you touch him. Oh. You are dating, long distance dating for four years. You have never touched him. I know you have seen his picture. Eh? But you have never said, are you spirit or flesh and body or flesh and bones? It they risk you. They risk you. Touch. Say, okay, you are the one. Okay. Have you seen that advert? Of, um, no, 
I think it was a one of these new banks, maybe Money Point or so. Somebody is dating a lady, and this person asks, I mean, like me, six packs, correct guy, premium guy. Why she now showed up on the date? Guy was like this. Say, are you the same person? Say, yes, yeah, just a different version. So, and that version is actually okay. There's nothing bad about it. But he, he was putting a profile picture that suggested it was the other version. Christianity will seem like a scam if we don't handle it. I say it again. Christianity will seem like a scam if we don't handle it. There are realities in God we must touch. There are dimensions of God we must handle. Like I, When you handle it, it cannot be doubted. Oh, glory to God. Yeah. Cannot be doubted. Your weakness in believing is going to be fixed by the hands of God. I said your weakness in believing is going to be fixed by the hands of God. Amen. And for many of you, the thought has begun already. Respond to God. Respond to God. Respond to God. Such a gracious God he is. Such a gracious God. He's not embarrassed with your doubt. He's not. He knows you live in the realm of tangibility. Where you, you have five senses. You want to see. You want to hear. He's not embarrassed. When you say, God, show me your power. God is not embarrassed. God says, yes, 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 yes. I will show you. Hallelujah! He may later tell you, ah, you can get better. Oh, even if you don't see it, it's still really low. But you put a demand on his hands, oh, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. Glory to God. Pray in the Holy Ghost for five minutes. Pray in the Holy Ghost. There's something I want you to establish before I say the next and the last time. If you are praying, pray, oh. Make the prayer touch you. There's a touch right now. 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 It's stronger and stronger. It's firmer and firmer. It's about to get heavy. Heavy touches. Heavy touches. Heavy touches. It is the intervention of God. The influence of God. I want it. I crave it. I wait for it. I ask for it. I long for it. It transforms. It convicts. It makes whole. It purges. The touch of God. Everything changes. I'm captivated. I'll never be the same. With just one touch. Everything changes. I'm captivated. I'll never be the same. With just one touch. Everything changes. I'm captivated. I'll never be the same. With just one, just one touch. Everything changes. I'm 
am captivated. I'll never be the same. Harabasto brande kete kadala banas. Ekekenembrufrada kata kadala banas. Hey! Healing touch. Convicting touch. Transforming touch. Purging touch. A part of investment. Hallelujah. The touch is here already. The touch is here already. On a personal level, soak into it. Soak into it. It's going to explode soon. And I'm about to get into that explosive realm right now. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. If you know what is coming, you'll be excited. <laughs> but you don't know. But don't worry. Don't worry. You, you will know soon. <laughs> you will know soon. You will know soon. Now, the common barrier that people have in their minds with respect to the touch of God is that they wonder how are we going to get to God and how is God going to get to us? It's a barrier of distance. If you want to touch your fiance who is in the United Kingdom, the barrier is the barrier of distance. I've heard his voice, but I want to touch him. I want to shake him, hold him, hug him. So there's a barrier of distance in the realms of men. This barrier is fixed by what is referred to as the word of faith from Romans chapter 10 and verse 6 thereabouts. There's a bridge called the word of faith that gets you to where God is or gets God to where you are. Glory to God. I said glory to God. It's called the word of faith because it often involves hearing. The woman with the issue of blood heard of Jesus and then she came to touch Jesus. So, listen. The real barrier was not a distance in the physical. It was a hearing barrier that was not there before. A deficiency of knowledge. The same thing happened to other people who touched Jesus and did not get anything. They touched Jesus but they touched him only in the natural. There was no word of faith bridge. Go back to my scripture, Romans 10 and verse 6. He says, don't say. Okay, let's see exactly how it's quoted. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in your heart who shall ascend into heaven. Because we are talking about contacting God. So who shall attend, ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Verse 7. Or we shall descend into the deep. That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. Verse 8. But what said it? The word is nigh thee. Even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Hallelujah. The touches that some of you are experiencing already right now. It happened because there is a word of faith that I'm saying. And as I say it, it's a bridge that you travel through. Glory to God. Glory to God. So anytime you want to experience the touch of God, you play the word of faith. You hear the word of faith. And it's a bridge that conveys divine realities to your present circumstances or conveys you to the place where God is. 
the word of faith that we preach. The word of faith that we hear. Don't say we would go and bring Jesus from the heaven. Or we raise him from the dead. The word is near thee. The idea of experiencing his touch is actually a collision between or a collision that involves the grace of God and the response of man to that grace. Every time men respond to the grace of God, they touch God. A sinner, no matter how vile, if he repents, he turns towards God. He is touched, he is cleansed, he is purged, he is washed. So when grace and faith collide, there is an experience of his touch. I'll say it again. When grace and faith collide, there is an experience of his touch. The good thing about grace is that it is always constant. Oh, glory to God. It's always available. He's always there. <laughs> if one million people said in their hearts, if I can but touch the of his garments, I'll be healed. They will also be healed. There's only one person that said it though. Even though in the Luke chapter 6 verse 19 case where we read, it says all of them were healed when they touched his garments. You see that? So grace is constant and it is surplus. Never deficient, never runs dry. But when there is a response of faith, that's when there is a contact with God. Everybody can be saved. God wants all men to be saved. He said God wants all men to be healed. The grace for all salvation is available. The grace for all healings are available. But we are waiting for a touch of faith. And it's the word of faith that brings us into that. Glory to God. She heard about Jesus. She heard about Jesus. Now, one of the things you notice about the word of faith, particularly in the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the apostles, is that the word of God is as good as his hands. Is as effective as his hands. We learned that from Matthew chapter 8. It was a fifth lesson. The centurion had a servant who was sick. And everybody said, Jesus, go and heal the servant. This man is worthy of your presence. The centurion, however, thought differently. He said, no, no, no. I don't think he needs to come. If he's the Jesus people claim he is. If he's the Jesus I heard about. If he's the Jesus, the son of the living God. His words and his hands are the same thing. Oh, what a revelation. What a revelation. What a revelation. Jesus was amused. Say, what? I didn't know somebody also understands the science of this thing. I thought I was the only one who knew better. Come on. And so as Jesus said, his hands traveled. Glory to God. As he said it, he fixed it. As he said it, he fixed it. As he said it, he fixed it. Many things will be fixed by the word of God this morning. As he says it, it will be fixed. As he says it, it will be fixed. He sent his word. Oh, because even if, as it were, his presence is not available, if his word is available, it's the same thing. He sent his word, and his word healed them, and delivered them from that destruction. He sent, he sent, he sent, he sent. So the Sassuan said, just send your word. Why you don't know, no way to some money now? Ah. Even me, I don't have money to give you. You want to use the money again to go out? Don't worry. Just say, just say, just say. 
Hallelujah. I say unto you, be healed. Be blessed. Be empowered. Be imparted. That's the hand of God. It's as simple as that. He says his hands go to work. When he says it, that's when his hands touch you. Oh, glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. So, God's word is as good as his hands. One more thing with respect to the word of faith here. God's messenger is as effective as his presence. God's messenger. Oh, thank God for messengers. Thank God for his servants. Thank God for his holy apostles. Thank God for his holy prophets who represent his interest and demonstrate his power on his behalf. Experiencing the hands of God, one of the things you will have to do in terms of mental adjustment is to respond to the messenger of God. Acts chapter 4 and verse 30. They prayed, Oh God, stretch forth your hands to heal. How did God answer the prayer? Acts chapter 5 and verse 12. And by the hands of the apostles. Were many signs and wonders done. <laughs> Glory to God. The stretching of the apostles' hands is the stretching of God's hands. That's what be. So, to experience each touch, pay attention to his messengers. Pay attention to his messengers. Who will ascend? Who will descend? No need. Word of faith. Word of faith first teaches his word is as good as his hands. Then, his messenger is as good as his hands. Oh, glory to God. Acts chapter 19, God wrought special miracles through the hands of Paul. Through the hands of Paul. That's how God answered the prayer. Through the hands of Paul. Pay attention to the messenger's hands. Pay attention to the prophet's hands. Pay attention to the pastor's hands. That's how you experience his thought. If you, for any reason, for any reason, look down on the hands of God's messengers, you have jumped out of the bridge of the word of faith. Jumped out. You say, I'm not going again. Drop me here. <laughs> because even with respect to salvation, Romans chapter 10, the same context. Verse 14, how shall they hear without a preacher? So you, you believe the message of a preacher, then you have access into the grace of salvation. If you despise the message of the preacher, who is representing God, you do not have access. So, all of us got saved not because Jesus preached to us. Not Jesus preached to you. No angel preached to you. A messenger preached to you. And you believed. Then you touched grace. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Exodus chapter 4 and verse 20. God describes these seeming natural instruments in the hands of Moses. And look at how God describes it. Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass and he returned to the land of Egypt and Moses took the, read the next phrase. The 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 
rod of God. Exodus chapter 8 and verse 5. Makufreshti kanamalashtekeles. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, say unto Aaron, stretch forth your hand with your rod. It's called the rod of Moses. It's also the rod of God. <laughs> Hallelujah! Master this to you. Make you know they wait for God to come down physically. Master this thing. Don't say who we are sent. <laughs> Don't say who we descend. The word of faith which we preach. The word is near thee in your heart and in your mouth. It's near you. His thought is near you. Standing before you. You can hear him. You can hear it. See it. Not just as the... I, can, I cannot imagine Israel seeing that road and say, hmm, ordinary road. Let's go and use it to, to demarcate our field. Hey, it is not just the word of Moses. It is the rod of God. That's the perspective that changes everything. So when hands are laid on you, it's not just the hands of a preacher. It's the hands of God. See it like that. See it like that. And see how much of a difference it makes. This is not the deification of a servant of God. It's the accurate representation based on how God deals with his people. I will experience his touch. I will experience his hands. How can something be so close and yet so far? Because a certain people do not understand the word of it. So close. Jesus was the hand of God stretched forth. Is the hand of God shut that he cannot save? The Pharisees saw him, they crucified him. <laughs> they didn't understand the word of it. They didn't understand. They wanted him to come in all the regalia of royalty. If he's the king of the Jews, why is he born to a carpenter? Oh. oh. If he's really the Messiah, why is he so humble? If he came from David, who is a king, why is he acting like a servant? The word of faith is near thee. It's all over. You see, the touch of God is everywhere. Your response of faith, which in the simple terms is just believing what he said and responding to what he says. That's all. That's all. That's all. Everything changes. I'm captivated. I'll never be the same. With just one touch, everything changes. I'm captivated. I'll never be the same. My heart is open, oh God. Everything changes. I'm captivated. I'll never be the same. Listen, you don't need too many touches. How many times did the woman with your blood touch him? The real work is to ensure that that once it counts. 
that if, if it's just once, you just you just brushed his side. Otomi. Otomi. I don't need to I don't need him to hug me. No, 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 no. If I can touch the hem of his garment and I, just one. So you walk your your heart in faith. So that when it's that one touch, it is impactful. You may not get a man too. You don't, you don't need. But if you can but touch, that's the, that's the phrase that's used. If I can but touch, that is, if I can touch scantily, touch a little. A little touch will make a great difference. A little touch will make a great difference. It's becoming heavy. It's becoming heavy. If you can listen to me for five more minutes, five more minutes. Listen. So what we read in Mark 5.25 shows us a few things. The first thing we see about this woman was that she pressed. There was pressure. There was a crowd. She had to press to the crowd. Verse 26. She was not in a comfortable posture. It was sacrifice for her to touch Jesus. Verse 27. She came in the press behind. There was a protocol. Twelve apostles, several other people. She, the stress she went through to touch, not him, his garment, shows desperation, hunger. Hunger. That's the issue here. Because for some of you, it's, it has been made easy. Come, sit down in church. When the pastor is preaching, pay attention. But that one said, you can't do it. <laughs> you don't have any blood disease, oh. For 12 years, oh. But you cannot press. They say, pray. You can't pray. What, 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 what do you want? You can't press. This woman has been bleeding for 12 years. How does somebody bleed for 12 years and press to a crowd? That's some desperation, baby. That's some serious hunger there. If you really want it, you will go for it. Go for it. It's available to those who are hungry, not to those who are filled. This sense of contentment has, has kept the hand of God from many. It's available. It's available for those who are hungry. Desperation and then certainty. For she said, What a woman! That's a better theologian than many, many, many <laughs> professors of divinity. That's a woman who didn't say, What if it's not the will of God to heal me? Goodness me. For she said, If I may touch but it's clothes, I shall. Come on. That's somebody who knows. Who knows that stuff? I shall. I shall. I shall be whole. Do you have certainty about the touch of God or are you still not sure that the touch of God makes any difference? This woman got to a point where she said, see, if it's this, this Jesus ahead, if I touch him, I'll be healed. I need you to now mentally picture what will happen when you are touched. That's the, that's the doctrine here. What will happen when I'm touched? 
<laughs> Not what may happen. What will happen? There's certainty in her language. She said, for me, I will be whole. That's what I want and that's what will happen. When I spoke to that man with the spirit of faith, certainty. I said, after three days, your wife will walk. Oh, certainty. 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 That's how it works. If you do it as um, narrow bed, it may work, it may not work. It doesn't work like that. Because how do you think you will touch God and you will remain the same? Do you know who God is? If I may touch just his clothes, I shall. I'm so in love with you. You're beautiful. Stand to your feet. So beautiful. I'll give my eyes on you. You're beautiful. So beautiful. We just want to. Everything changes. I'm captivated. I'll never be the same. Everything changes. I'm captivated. I'll never be the same. We just want to. Everything changes. I'm captivated. I'll never be the same. Just one touch. Everything changes. I'm captivated. I'll never be the same. Everything, come on, are you certain? I'm captivated. I'll never be the same. Just one. I'm captivated. I'll never be the same.
I want you to express hunger. I'm trying to help you. Eh? So pray. You are praying, God touch me. That's the only way you are praying, God touch me. They say you get hand, God touch me. Touch me now, touch me. Touch me. Touch me. That's the prayer. High tempo. High intensity, rather. Intensity, intensity, intensity. Everything changes. Come on. Yeah.
the touches are happening. The touches are happening. Choir, choir, if you can stand up, stand up. We trust that you've been blessed by this teaching. We look forward to receiving your testimonies, prayer requests, and feedbacks. You can send us a mail at judamaye at yahoo.com. That is J-U-D-A-H-M-A-Y-E at yahoo.com. Till next time, remain in the consciousness of God's word and power. Thank you.